Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. zone. Thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Welcome on into Critical Thinking, a very special edition. It is the 4th of July. It is what we know to be Independence Day, even though the real Independence Day was likely two days ago. But hey, that's neither here nor there. Yes, Pat and I are with you today. Um, Newsflash, this is pre-recorded, but we are not doing... Our usual typical stuff. Um, a lot of other podcasts, a lot of other shows, they're going to read you the Declaration of Independence. They're going to talk about renewing the Declaration of Independence. Well, guess what? I have an entire podcast dedicated to literally that concept called Reviving Liberty. So you can check that out, revivingliberty.com. Um, you can get it wherever you get your podcast, all that wonderful goodness. Um, that would be a great 4th of July thing to do. Um, We will have the third episode, which is actually the very first step on the path of reviving liberty in your life, living a liberty mindset. Um, So what is that first step on the path? Well, you'll have to find out tomorrow. That's right. Tomorrow. Every Tuesday, a new episode is dropping. Uh, We did two episodes this past week. Now, all of that being said, what are we going to do to commemorate uh, Independence Day, Pat? I I, I can't think of a, a better way to commemorate our independence from Britain than drinking an English ale done by an American brewery much better than anything they can do. Because uh, anything they can do, we can do 10 times better, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take your Magna Carta, turn that some bitch sideways and shove it up your constitution. You mean your parliamentary ass? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Now, we're not going to read all of the Declaration of Independence, but I wanted to do this on this special episode. Um, I want to go through the 27 grievances, the usurpations, if you will, that have that 
oftentimes get overlooked because everybody talks about the preamble. Everybody talks about the first couple of paragraphs and then they ignore the rest of it until the end, until the very end in, you know, and then at the very end, we, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America and general Congress assembled appealing to the Supreme judge of the world for the rest, uh, uh, rectitude of our intentions do in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of uh, right ought to be free and independent states. They are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved and that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states might of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Everybody knows that, right? Right. But how many people know the 27 um, usurpations and grievances they actually had with the king? So that's what we're going to do on this uh, episode. We're going to go through them. We're going to at least try to explain some of them because they're what for a lot of people. Um, you actually have to understand the times and what was going on. Uh, so we're going to do that for you. Um, so the first grievance that comes up is <clears throat> he, meaning the king, right? King George the third, right? right? He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. What does that mean? Well, you have to realize that at this point in time, we had already had all of the coercive acts, right? We've had all of the Stamp Act and all of the all of the things that the col uh, colonists had done to to basically revolt. Now, they were told uh, by the Secretary of State for the Southern Department that Parliament would not pursue legal action against colonists who had actively protested against those Stamp Acts, right? Provided that the assemblies for the col the colonies, right, would pay for any public property which had been de destroyed. Every one of them did this, right? Every one of them, including Massachusetts. <clears throat> the Assembly of Massachusetts stated that it would be wholesome and necessary for the public good to grant free pardon to all who had been engaged in the protest and passed an act. What happened? George III refused to ratify that, refused to say, no, I'm not going to charge people. He went back on his word, in other words. It is extremely important to understand that this is basically the argument of self-government, right? That we That really you don't have any. He refused to ratify colonial legislation. We don't have representation in parliament, right? So the only way that we work is if we are using the legislative bodies of the colonies at the time. And then George III says yay or nay. Anytime such laws were introduced by local assemblies, they were routinely vetoed by either the Board of Trade, the Secretary of State, and King George III. Anytime, anything 
Now, a great example of this is states like Massachusetts, states like Pennsylvania, that were quick to want to pass laws banning or neutering, if you will, the slave trade or slavery. That was That's where this was going. So if the state wanted to have nothing to do with the slave trade or slavery in general, they couldn't. George III wouldn't let them. Okay? So it's the very first grievance is we don't have representation, and then when we do go through the measures that we're supposed to go through, we still have no self-governance. It is literally the dictate of George III through the Secretary of the Southern District, right? All right, so that's grievance one. Grievance two is he has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be attained. And when suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend them. So what is this? This is an indictment of the appointed governors of the colonies by King George III, right? Because he refused to endorse laws that colonists viewed as conductive to the public good, right? So he's refusing that. Then on top of it, the king's governors, which are supposed to represent the king and the king's wishes here in the colonies, refuse to do these things either. Especially the Massachusetts Assembly passing a law in 1770, excuse me, for taxing government officers in the colony. The governor was told to withhold the king's assent. Violating the colonial charter, by the way, the very thing that allowed Massachusetts Bay Colony to, to exist at any point in time. The king violated the colonial charter. That's what they're saying here. When, when every time that we have brought something legally up, the king refuses to deal with it. Neglect. John Locke. It's one of two terms and two reasons that John Locke believed to be valid reasons to dissolve a government, by the way. And Locke had a very important role to play in the Declaration of Independence and how we, not himself, but his ideas, right? Right. Okay. So that's, that's why it's number two, by the way. Neglect of duty to the colonists. So they're saying, hang on a second, you don't give us the right to self-governance or representation, and then two, when we're supposed to be able to govern ourselves, it now only comes from your assent, and you refuse to give it. What are we supposed to do? We, we are not free people. We are not actually part of the Commonwealth either. Any questions there, Pat? No, I th I think uh, it's pretty straightforward in in terms of, you know, he, he's flat out just not doing his job, um, and and not giving them any kind of representation either in Parliament, or even at home for that matter. And then they're they're expected to do certain things and to obey certain taxes, 
when they're not even ratified, when they're not, when there there is no representation of those things. And not only that, when they do try to represent themselves, they're not allowed to. So it's 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 a double standard, essentially, is what you're describing. Correct. And then grievance number three, he has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people unless those people would relinquish relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. So this goes back to like the two treaties, treaties of government, right? And this comment, this idea that when a single person or prince sets up his own arbitrary will in place of the law, um, which are the will of the society declared by a legislature, then the legislative is changed. So this is another one for John Locke. This is the second of those two reasons, right? The neglect and then the inability. So what Locke is saying is that the king is meddling and changing the legislature. And... You know this because in Massachusetts, there were literally parallel governments, right? They, they formed, they quit the government that was formalized and created a parallel government in Massachusetts at that time. So they're saying, hang on a second. You're telling us that, you know, we got to jump through these hoops and do this and do that. But really, it doesn't matter because you're just willy nilly changing the rules Whenever, however you want. You can't do that, right? Grievance number four. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual and also uncomfortable and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. And this goes back to the 1774, the passage of the Massachusetts Government Act, which nullified the Massachusetts Charter of 1691, and then allowed the governor at the time, Thomas Gage, who is a very important person in the whole revolutionary period, right? Allowed the governor to dissolve the local provincial assembly and force them to meet in Salem, not in Mass not in Boston or Cambridge, in Salem. As far away from where they're supposed to be as possible, right? Because back then, it's not like you get in a car and drive. It's like two days for most people to get to Salem. Back then. So he's right. inconveniencing people just to have his will done on top of everything else. But we continue. Grievance number five. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of people. Again, this is the so Massachusetts more- Assembly. And basically saying the king demands the assembly rescind resolutions, all this other stuff, right? Right. He did the same thing dissolved any that refused to yield their royally appointed governors. So North Carolina, Virginia, other people dissolved, had their representation dissolved for denying the right of the king to tax the colonies or extradited Americans from the colonies to stand trial for that. I mean, it can't be any clearer. They're saying, hang on a second, you've dissolved these things for opposing invasions on the rights of the people here. And and what they mean by that is not just that he would want to have them stand trial, right? It's that they would be taken to England to stand trial, not by the jury of the peers here in the colonies, 
but over there so that he can control it, right? You rabble-rousers are going to jail. Grievance number six. He has refused for a long time after such disillusions to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers incapable of alienation have returned to the people at large for their exercise. The state remaining, in the meantime, exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within. So this is an example. Um, the, the Assembly of New York, right, at the time, was refusing to comply with the Mutiny Act of 1766, okay? What did they do? Parliament passes the New York Restraining Act of 1767, suspending the Assembly's legislative authority. The uh, Assembly of Massachusetts, 1768, gets dissolved. Not permitted to meet again until the last Wednesday of 1769. And even then, they found a military guard surrounding their meeting location with cannons pointed directly at it. So time and again, we see the, the inability to self-govern, even though they're supposed to be able to. And if you're not going to allow us to self-govern, we need representation in London, right? In the parliament. Not getting that either. Grievance 7. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states, for that purpose obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands. So... One of the interesting things that has that had been going on is that there were a large influxion, influx, excuse me, of German immigrants coming to America at this time, and the king wanted to discourage that type of immigration. Why? Because they're German. They're not. They're not English. They're not subject to ties or fealty or loyalty to a king. Right. They were concerned over the increasing power of the colonies and the widespread population or, po or popularity of Republican ideals amongst that German immigrant population. And few people settled west of the Allegheny Mountains, even though they could have, right? Because um, the rights right. of all these colonies uh, granted them basically in perpetuity. Um, but immigration by the time of the revolution, had basically ceased to exist. The king was choking off the ability of people to come here. Even though that's what has been going on since the very beginning of all of these colonies to begin with, right? Right. Grievance number eight. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing ju judiciary powers. You want to take a stab at this one, Pat? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm guessing uh, no, no trial, no court. Mm -hmm. you, so Parliament you, was actually um, depriving the people of the right to elect their own judges. So the king and Parliament were saying, "No, no, no, we're going to put in place your judges." That's a problem. Yeah, a little very bit. big problem. Mm -hmm. They also uh, took away their right to. Uh, Trial by jury. So your, um, where do they get obstruction of justice from? Mm -hmm. This is it. 
This is obstruction of justice. This is that concept. Pretty, pretty simple. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. So as we get through the first eight of these, Pat, your generalized thoughts. Uh, we have a very lazy and tyrant king. And the other thing that you're noticing here is they are painstakingly making this case. This is not just willy-nilly fly-by-night stuff. This is, hey, dude, this is what you've done to us. Prove us wrong. And it's unjust. It goes back to why it's, it's getting to the point of why should we uh, allow ourselves to be ruled by a tyrant 3,000 miles away? Mm-hmm. No, 100% true. Mm. Now, to that point, grievance number nine speaks to this. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. So what he's saying is, or what's being said here is, oh, wait a second, you are literally buying judges to do your will. Judges are supposed to be impartial. How can they be impartial when, wait a second, they're only tied to your fealty, right? You're, you can literally do whatever you want. Right. <clears throat> Grievance 10. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. Of course, that's, you know, the Stamp Act. Right. Um, you know, in 1766, 1767, collection of duties, um, you know, we see swarms of people coming to collect those taxes and do all of those things. This is pretty obvious, right? Right. Grievance 11 is he has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without consent of our legislatures. Pretty straightforward. And this all stems back to the Treaty of Paris that ended the Seven Years' War, by the way, with France. Um, Suddenly, oh, crap, we have to keep a standing army here. Otherwise, um, that French colony that's above uh, the America or the English colonies at the time Mm -hmm. would be a problem for us. Yeah, and that that was back before they started speaking surrender, too. Right. And... You know, this goes back to the Quartering Act and, and all that stuff. I think this is pretty self-explanatory for people who have been paying attention to any sort of revolutionary history. But if not, I, I really encourage you to to understand what happened between the end of the Seven Years' War and the Revolution when it comes to that relationship between uh, France and England overall, because it did have a massive impact on how we got to independence. But Grievance 12, he has affected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. So this goes back to the appointment of Thomas Gage, right, to to the governorship of Massachusetts. He was, Thomas Gage, when he arrived in Boston in 1774, he was already the commander-in-chief of the British forces in North America. He literally was judge, jury, and executioner. There's no separation of power. So we had the military assuming control over the civil. Notice how we, when we structured our government, it was the civil ruling over the military. Did you notice that? 
That was done on purpose because exactly this. Now, I think that's pretty self-explanatory, right? Right. Grievance 13. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation. So what you have to know here is what do, what do they mean by the others, right? Well, with the others with whom the king is thus said to have combined with were the members of parliament. And this is basically also saying that, that we were subject to their laws, not the laws that we made here. Correct. And, and what we were saying is we don't recognize that as a legal authority over us, right? So the king um, combined with members of parliament. Again, the United States of America, a.k.a. the colonies at the time, refused, even by implication, to recognize the power of parliament because we were not represented in parliament. So the only, again, this goes back all the way up to the top of our grievance list of hang the crap up. You're not allowing us representation. And then when we try to govern ourselves, you now say, no, you can't do that. We have nothing to go off of here. Grievance 14, for quartering large body, bodies of armed troops among us. Again, 1765, Parliament passed the Mutiny Act, which is actually the Quartering Act, by the way. Right. Um, allowing soldiers to be stationed in the colonies to request shelter from any citizen. It would be like the National Guard saying, uh, dude, give me your house. Yeah, hell no. And also, guess what? If you refuse, there's punishment for that. Mm -hmm. Now, Grievance 15 is for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states. Um, and this goes to the people who were quartered, right? Who were quartering, if you will, um, murdering multiple citizens in the colonies. Especially uh, grievous or egregious was a controversial situation in Annapolis, Maryland, in late 1760s. Uh, basically, somehow they pulled off the O.J. Simpson of 1768. All of the evidence was smacking them in the face that this that these people committed this crime. Right? That was right. very clear. Like. If there was DNA, they still somehow would have gotten away with it. They OJ Simpson. This is OJ Simpsoning before OJ Simpson was a thing. Right. Grievance 16 for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world. Pat, I argue that this is the actual catalyst for most of this. Well, yeah, because well, now, now that you've cut off trade, you've also messed with people's wallets and pocketbooks. Right, because and, you suddenly couldn't trade with Spain or France, right. hindering, I mean, they were, that the, those two um, countries represented most of our export business, by the way, not England. Right. 
And, and trade, trade was your economy back during those times. And so how were you able to provide for your families and, put, and keep food on the table? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then we move on to Grievance 17 for imposing taxes on us without our consent. That's, I mean, I, I that's mean, about as basic of a, of a thing that everybody knows about the, the revolution period. Right. right. Something a little bit of behind that, though, too, is, is a lot of the reason why they, or at least Britain's justification for doing it, was the French and Indian War, right? Correct. It, it, it kind of sort of bankrupted England a little bit to Because uh, they were fighting that war. that war on two fronts with France. Right. And so they, mm-hmm. they needed a way to pay for it. So what better way to pay for it than, you know, make the colonists pay for it? Yep. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, are you noticing how they also break these into, here are the governmental reasons, here are the taxation reasons, that, like, the the way they structured this entire document is incredible to me. Now, Grievance 18, for depriving us in many cases of the benefit of jury trial, again, we talk about we talk about their inability to get this t- to happen. It's supposed to be a jury of your peers. Most of the time, nope, it's just an administrative hearing and the judge tells you. Now, I would argue it is also one of the, the main differences of our system of government in justice versus Britain. It's mind-boggling. Like, I can't, I can't fathom how to navigate their justice system. I don't know if you've ever seen a trial over there. Oh, it's it's fascinating. It's also basically prove your innocence. Right. It's literally flipping the 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 way justice works here in America on its head, right? You're not innocent until proven guilty. You have to prove that you're innocent. They're telling you that you committed a crime, now prove you're innocent basically. It is fascinating. Now, we move on. Grievance 19 for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses. And this goes back to, it's insane. Yeah, so I have to, I have to basically go to England to be tried for an offense that I supposedly committed. Yeah. Which is dumb. Now, this is one of the more controversial things that happened. Um, in England, by the way, the Parliament vehemently opposed this for a long time. Uh, so I think it's also interesting. Now, grievance number 20, for abolishing the free system of English laws in a neighboring province, establishing there an arbitrary government, and enlarging its boundaries to render it at once an example uh, and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies. Now, this is the Quebec Act. And and Quebec has a very fascinating history uh, when it comes to this colonial period, because arguably Canada wouldn't be Canada if we had gone all the way. People don't understand. We actually had invaded Canada um, early on before we actually declared war. We are all, by the time this is, the ink was dry on the Declaration of Independence, we had already captured all of Lake Champlain, which part of it was in Quebec. Okay. We had already 
gone in to Canada. Now we backed out of Canada. But the eyes of the revolutionary period, the eyes of the Continental Congress, were on going north and taking Quebec. Because why? If they, if they now had to fight not just the 13 colonies, but basically all the way from one end of the Atlantic to the other, that creates a huge problem. Now, the Quebec Act also expanded the use of French civilian law instead of English common law and expanded Canadian borders into what is now really the Midwestern states of the United States of America, by the way. You wonder why you see so many French names. It's also the fur trade and, and all the French trading and stuff like that here in the Midwest. But you also see those names because of that expansion of Quebec. And they did that on purpose. They used it as a way to buttress against the 13 colonies, kind of in circle. But let's move on. Grievance 21. For taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments, we've talked almost ad nauseum about this. And what they continue to lay out here in these grievances, right, Pat, um, is they hammer almost the same points over and over again, but they do it in a different way each time. Oh, by the way, it, you abolished our government. Oh, you abolished our government. You took away our charters. We, they, they talk about these things in, in different forms. Well, they're, they're also talking about different facets of the government, too. It's Correct. not even just just like one form of government here. No, like like they're, they're talking about, you know, in this case, you know, the charters. Um, they've talked about the economic part of their government. They've talked about altering their laws, making them subject to laws that they would not otherwise be subject to because they don't live in England. Correct. So, yeah. Now, Grievance 22 goes into things that we've already mentioned as well, but it is for suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. Um, Lord Dunmore, um, I believe that was in um, New York. Uh, James Wright of Georgia did it. Lord William Campbell in South Carolina did it. Grievance 23 he has advocated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. Um, in Parliament in early 1775, George III did declare the colonists to be in a state of open rebellion, by the way. So this was this letter, right, this Declaration of Independence is actually a response to that. Because you have to remember that it probably took them two, three months to get that information to the colonies. And then they sent armies to America. And what do they say? Why did they say he advocated government? Well, he did that by declaring them no longer under his protection. That was after the Probationary Act, which uh, passed by Parliament, uh, by the way. He sanctioned the acts of governors in employing Native Americans to quell the rebellion. Um, then they also used Germans, ironically, the Hessian uh, soldiers, to try to quell the rebellions. So George III said they were already in rebellion. 
Now, it was convenient in 1775 to do so because now I can amass an army that by the time we actually know this to, to have happened, boom, see you later. They're already on their way over here. Now, Grievance 24, he has plundered our seas, ravaged our coast, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. Um, we know that Lord Dunmore um, took over merchant vessels. Um, naval assaults were happening. Um, they would disrupt the supply chain. Um, all, all the things that you want to do, like guerrilla war tactics, basically, uh, of that day. That's it. Grievance number 25. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny already begun with circumstances of cruelty and uh, perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages and unworthy of the head of a civilized nation. This is the Hessian uh, soldier situation. That's what that is. And this is also just kind of saying you murdering bastard. Yeah, I mean, they tortured the crap out of people uh, during mm. this time. <clears throat> um, do you have any comments? I, I mean, like I said, I mean, this is basically saying you you murderous bastard. Um, you're, and then you're, oh, he's also being um, hypocritical because, you know, here he is, you know, trying to keep Germans out of the country, but at the same time, he's using Hessian mercenaries, which were otherwise known as German mercenaries at the time. And... I mean, he is being cruel. He is, and this is not some. This is not worthy of a leader. You don't want to be ruled under the the proverbial boot of somebody um, that is going to be this cruel and unjust. And, and that that's what they're saying here. I mean, the, the the general trend of of all of these usurpations is we are sick and tired of you messing with our lives, our economy, our country, and with with really our own personal like our actual lives themselves right. our physical lives we're we're done without being able to represent in any right. way shape or form we have right. no ability to do so now grievance number 26 is um i think the one of the things that's most overlooked during this early revolutionary period and i say early cuz this is really mid i should say revolutionary period uh, but grievance number 26, he has constrained our fellow citizens taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. So basically what he's saying is you you capture um, non-combative ships, right? Then make them captive and either earn their way out of captivity by fighting for the crown or you die. That's not a choice. And then we've got um, the final grievance, but not really the final grievance, and we'll get to that in a minute. But grievance number 27. He has excited domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers the merciless Indian savages whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. So this is basically, um, they don't fight with Christian moral principles. They just are savages. Right. Right. And um, you're hiring people to murder us on our, not our own land, but on, on land that we have as colonists. 
Which, by the way, another point here to make is that a lot of the colonists at this time still saw themselves as British. They didn't see themselves as Americans yet. They saw themselves as part of England. And and for, for England to be doing this, I mean, they were essentially, the way they saw it was, you're doing this to yourself. We correct, are part correct, of you. You're correct. doing this to your own brothers and sisters. And by the way, it's not just the Native American either. There was also Lord Dunmore's slave rebellion going on. Right. Um, the attempted slave rebellion, which is ironic because the the actual text, the original text, the original Declaration of Independence, Pat, was actually ratified by 11 of the 13 colonies. There is a 28th, and it was basically a scathing rebuke and repudiation of slavery and the slave trade, basically saying America will not put up with, we will not have slavery, we refuse to do the bidding of King George III, because let's remember this, the slave trade had not been outlawed yet, right? Right. It, the American colonists had to do the slave trade because King George III ordered it. Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, a lot of Virginians wanted nothing to do with slavery. They wanted nothing to do with it. They thought it to be a morally bankrupt thing. Now, it was also a really convenient thing for them to, to be able to get rid of because what would it do? It would allow them to be out of debt. But instead of just ratifying the 11 of 13, they wanted all 13. So to appease South Carolina and Georgia, they left that slavery question out of the final draft, the final voted upon draft of the Declaration of Independence. So when you hear the 1619 Project and, and all that stuff going on, do they tell you that part of the American revolutionary history in which they really did attempt to do this? No, they don't. They don't tell you that. Is it our great shame that, that they didn't stand up further? Perhaps. Yes, perhaps. I would argue that doing the morally right thing for something that's been going on for over two centuries at this point in world history, and in fact, has been going on the entirety of world history, period. You, you say point parts point of, to me a culture that has never enslaved another culture. You can't. In no, human can't. history, you can't. You literally cannot. The Indians, the Native Americans did it to themselves. Various Asian groups did it to other Asian groups. Various European groups, various African groups, right? I mean... It's insane. When you know what happened with Columbus, right? The reason why the history of Columbus is so ass backwards is because he looked at the, the savages and sided with the unsavage Indians and actually had a really good partnership with them for a very long time. Now, I, I, it is amazing to me the things that government did and the things that they took for as long as they took him to get to this point. Think about that. There's 27 of these things. I would have stopped after, I don't know, three. 
And it makes me wonder, Pat, could we come up with the grievances list like this to our government today here in the United States of America? And maybe that's an Perhaps. exercise that, that uh, we'll take up after our uh, wonderful break from the show. Um, because I think it's important, and we're not, you know, we're not going all um, festivus here, right? We're not going to air the grievances, but I want to give you that thought exercise because the Declaration of Independence and the people who believed in life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness have told us if a government does not follow those principles, you ought to and have a natural right to abolish the ties that bind. So do we have those grievances enough in which we should be able to absolve the ties that bind? This is critical thinking. Let's critically think through that. And if we come to an answer that's yes or no, it doesn't matter. It matters that we do this process and we think through. What we have talked about is that we don't have a, a baseline. We don't have that constitution as the playground or the sandbox that we're all in together. There's two separate sandboxes. Is that the grievance? So we'll we'll have to think on that um, over our break, and and uh, we might come up with uh, a list of grievances, or at least work through that thought process. But until that time, I hope every one of you are enjoying whatever you're doing here on the Fourth of July, or if it's after the Fourth. Thank you for listening. Uh, we are off for the rest of this week. So until next week, Pat, your final thoughts. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no in six Semper Tyrannus. Good night, Steve Cannon, wherever you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yes, but please, everybody, have a great 4th of July. And uh, we will see you next week. As always, Matthew 547. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.